When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> couch on fire here rod <laughs> i mean this was so awesome i mean this was just insanely awesome michigan state wins 71 to 67 um and i mean what can you say i mean aaron henry just took this game over and just put it put this team on his back and just willed them to win this one and he did he did and and you're right when they needed him to dominate the game, he did. Mm-hmm. Both ends. Made some big shots, some big free throws, had a huge defensive stop against EJ Liddell. Huge. <laughs> um, where it was just a physical war. You know, we yeah. talked about it. One of the podcasts we've done recently, we talked about those Mata Izzo battles, especially um, Draymond Green's senior year, where Ohio State also had a great team that ended up going to the Final Four that year with Jared Sullinger and that group. And those games were just physical wars. This this reminded me of that. Um, wasn't quite to that level, but, man, it got close at times. Um, Aaron Henry was obviously massive, as Michigan State needs him to be. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of other guys you can tip your hat to for the plays they made down the stretch. Mm. One of them, Josh Lineford. Josh Lineford with – a great and give Chris Holtman credit. You know, I've, I've been probably harder on Chris Holtman than a lot of other people because in his first three years, I thought he did an okay job, but I think the Ohio State job is truly one of the elite jobs in the country. Mm-hmm. You're the dominant school in a really good talent producing state. You have great facilities. You have more money than God to spend on them, all that. And Thad Mata had proven you can be a regular Big Ten and national title contender. And to me, Chris Holtman had been okay, but out of his first three seasons, his best year was his first one, which, to be quite honest, was Thad Mata's team. Um, He has proven, though, I think this year with this group, because this group, I thought they'd be a tournament team. I didn't expect them to be as good as they are. So hats off to him. And and what I'm going to say is he showed how good a coach he is by sprinting that 1-3-1 which they don't ever play, and Michigan State hadn't seen. And it rattled them. Aaron was having trouble. You knew MSU wanted to play through Aaron because they played that 1-3-1, and they were kind of trapping with it. Not hard traps, but enough 
to prevent Aaron from even getting to the middle of the floor it, through Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Up steps Josh Langford, takes the pass from Aaron, takes a hard dribble or two right into the, the gap. Soft spot. Yeah. Throw line extended, nothing but net. Then on the key possession of the game where they're up, they're up two after Joey Hauser split those free throws and Ohio State is coming down with a chance to tie or win it. You know, 14 seconds left, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. Josh Langford, Washington all night long killed Michigan State going to the rim. Oh Great game from him. He just abused people. Um, Josh Langford walled up now, you know, as Robbie Hummel pointed out, a lot of contact on it, but contact both ways. Washington went into Josh. I thought Josh did what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He stayed vertical. And went up with his, with his arms, didn't, didn't jump, just went up high with his arms straight up, stayed vertical, took contact. Maybe he delivered some too tough shit. <laughs> and Dwayne Washington missed one. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Ball game, you know, cause they, they get, Josh gets the rebound. Um, they call or somebody else got, maybe it wasn't Josh who got, somebody got the rebound. And, um, actually I've got the play by play cause I wanted to refer to it as we were talking. Um, somebody got, uh, oh, Langford did get the rebound. Yeah. So Josh got the rebound and then Holtman, I believe got, um, got called for, uh, the technical. Mm-hmm. And that was essentially the ball game. He was having a hard time. <laughs> I, I'm going to be interested to see what his post game is like because he had a really hard time with the physicality. My thought is, and we talked about this in the preview, Ohio State is a pretty damn physical team in their own right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Liddell, Zedke, they're good players, but they are physical in the post. Very physical. You know, yeah. some of their other guys are physical as well. It's not just those two guys. So, you know, that, that's it's a physical game, man. That's what happens. Yeah, I mean, I would rather see a game where there's just not, you know, 40 free throws being taken. Um, right. And let it, let it roll a little bit. I mean, they got... I thought the refs were fairly consistent. At least they in, were in... absolutely, and that's and that's what I think Robbie Hummel called it exactly right um, on that that play with Liddell in the post against Henry. Yeah, and he said they they've played. That's how the game's been played in the post. You know, yeah. there are certain games where EJ Liddell would be called for offensive fouls with some of the stuff he was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I believe he should be. But that's that's the way the whistle works at times, right? Yeah. So he got the one he got the one earlier with Marble, you know, and then he didn't get the one against Henry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so I think that the thing you got to love about well, we'll we'll come back to it in more detail, I'm sure. But we talked about it after the Illinois game. We made it a key for this one. Has Michigan? Has this Michigan State group finally at the eleventh hour found its identity? I think they have. This is officially yes. (laughs) Old style. This is old style Michigan State basketball with old style Michigan State basketball results, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't always a thing of beauty, but you know what? Time makes it feel better than it was in terms of aesthetic beauty. The Mateen Cleves group, which set the tone for all of this, played a lot of games that would charitably be called ugly. Not all their fault, too. A lot of the Big Ten, that was peak Dick Bennett, Wisconsin, you know, 
some of it wasn't their fault. And they could play a beautiful game if you wanted to run with them. Mm-hmm. But that team had to win ugly all the time. And they did all the time. This team, I think, is finally finding that element of things. And and what I really love, to get back to my point here, Aaron led the way late, but, man, they got plays out of a lot of guys. Yeah, Joey Hauser made a, a big defensive play. I can't remember who it was late. It might have been Washington as well. I can't recall. Um, I'm looking through the – I'm looking through the, the – the, the, through the play, and I can't see who it was. Yeah, whole thing it, on here. Um, I can't see who it was who made that um, – missed that shot that um, – Joey kind of walled up, made a nice defensive play. Um, I think that uh, Malik Hall finally yeah. stepped up and made a couple big contributions late. He hit a free throw. Um, and, and then That pick where he what, got ran over and got a foul? Two free throws, I'm yeah. sorry. Hit two free throws and grabbed a very big, what seemed at the time like a, and it was, a very big defensive rebound. Um late in that, you know, during, in that under four period where he just kind of high pointed it. I think that was exactly what Hummel described it as. And he did. Um, so to get plays out of those two guys who have been struggling so badly, um, I think hats off to Tom Izzo for doing what he did down the stretch and going without a point guard. Mm. If you notice that Hogarth and Watts, were both off the floor, um, and they basically went. Everything was running through Aaron with Josh helping out, but it was those two guys. And uh, and then you had Gabe Brown, and then you had Malik and Josh or uh, Joey Hauser. As it so happens, that's a lineup most of which I would have been pretty happy to see on the floor for earlier in the season. Now it's not an obvious choice because Joey and Malik have been struggling. But yeah, you know, and, and also with Joey, I'm forgetting. Maybe the biggest thing when Michigan State was down four and really needed a bucket with 4:26 to play, Joey Hauser steps up and makes a three. It was right after they made that switch. I guess they went to that lineup a little bit before the under four timeout without mm-hmm. the point guard because Aaron Henry had the ball up top, penetrated, got him in a pick and roll, kicked to Joey. He drilled the three. Yep. So you're getting big plays out of all of these guys and, and they're doing it in a wide variety of ways. All those guys I mentioned, they made defensive plays, they hit the glass. And of course they were able to score points um, for Michigan state to win this with rocket Watts, frankly, really struggling. And, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll give credit to Hogard. We'll go through it all obviously, but Hogard, I thought hung in there. I didn't think he was great. But he was okay at times. He did some positive things. He also had some very bad moments uh, defensively, yeah. mostly. But I thought offensively, even though I hold my breath every time he's run on the show, um, <laughs> I got to give him his due. He he hung in there. Six um, assists, one turnover, Rod. Yeah, yeah you got to give him credit with that. It wasn't a lot of spectacular stuff, but um, six assists is six assists. So he was he had six. Josh had five to lead the way. Um, but yeah, he, he played a solid game. I can't, I can't argue with it. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, rocket obviously really struggled on this one, one for 10 from the floor, 
Uh, not great defensively. He kind of was one of the guys who really got abused early by Washington when Washington was making a living getting to the rim. Mm. Um, but for Michigan State to pull this off with that being the combination at the point, wow. Again, it's just guts. Yeah. yeah it's just I mean, sheer guts. I, I really, th- I honestly think that's what won them this game is when you have, uh, Langford and Henry out with two fouls in the first half. Yeah, you know, Hogard, they did just enough to keep it close, and then again yeah. in the second half when Hogard was in there, they didn't let Ohio State you know push it out too far. Um, although it did get to nine in the second, biggest half. it got was nine. Yeah. Yep, they never got it to double digits, so they stayed in contact. Yeah, but it felt like that was a tipping point, right? When it got to forty nine forty, yeah, it felt like okay, here we go, and then Michigan State started to rally. Yeah. Um. But I think you're right. If we go back to that first half, um, Aaron Henry, let's see, I want to get the, the math exactly right here. Aaron Henry leaves the floor with 645 left to play in the first half. Mm-hmm. He gets his second foul. So the last 645, they play without Aaron, and they played the last 918 without Josh. So two guys who have been Mr. Reliables, the only ones who have just been rock solid for Michigan State as they've improved and tried to get this thing back on track are sitting out for that amount of time. Aaron Henry leaves the floor. Um, the score is 26-25 Ohio State. So they're up one. They go into the half up five, 38-33. So they're minus four without Aaron over almost seven minutes. Mm. You'd probably take that, right? Yeah. yeah. And you're right. Hogard helped them survive it. I mean, I thought that, and I'm going back through that period, um, Hogard had a couple free throws. Hauser hit a jumper. Um, Bainham had a dunk. Gabe Brown hit a jumper. So it was a variety of guys that managed to keep MSU's offensive production just high enough that they were able to stay in touch and not let that thing balloon out. Now, as it stands, I happen to, there was a lot of talk on the Spartan mag board that I saw while that was going on at halftime about the auto bench. And this is a conversation that happens with pretty much every fan base. So I'll, I'll start by asking you, what would you have done? I think with Josh, it's pretty simple, right? There's nine something left. You're going to move him to the bench at least for a while. Yeah. But Aaron, with six, almost seven minutes to play in the half, gets his second foul. And it seemed the second one did not seem like a great call to me. Um, the, the officials were, were blowing the whistle a little bit at that mm-hmm. point. What would you have done? I, I'd sit him. I'm going hindsight. I, I, I do sit him. I mean, that's, that's your, your philosophy. I mean, it, it doesn't, that's true. You know, maybe if this is a national championship game, but even then, I mean, you do that for a reason. Henry was at, Henry won this game at the very end, and maybe that doesn't happen if he gets a ticky tack foul. Uh, you, you know, with four point. minutes left in the first half, and then he comes out and gets a, another foul in the second half, and now he's got to play on. You know, play you know unaggressively because he doesn't want to get that. Well, that. But look at that. He was there. Look at that possession with Liddell we were talking about, right? Yeah. Aaron Henry, I think, had three fouls. He felt free to bang. If he gets whistled, okay. Not great, but not the end of the world. Um, 
I, I agree with you. This is what I think. I think the, the, maybe the one tiny bit of disagreement I would have with you is I hear you with it. If it's a national championship game, maybe it's different. But the fact is Michigan State is really playing for its tournament life. These are, in essence, tournament games right now for MSU. I think that's fair to describe it that way. And so you could maybe say fairly, well, desperate times, right? So that would be the argument to play them. Here, here's what I thought. I thought that Izzo, if that lead had swelled to 9, 10, I think you might have seen one or both of those guys come back. It never got to that, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. They were able to massage it. I mean, I'm going to go look and see what the biggest spread. So the biggest spread in that in that stretch was six. 35-29. They, they took a 35-29 lead with 4.55 to play. It stayed parked there until 3.32 when Hogard hit his free throws. Mm. Um, and then MSU got as close as two. They got to 35-33, and it ended up 38-33 at the half. So – I think that's how it went. I'm guessing, just like anybody else is. Do we know for sure if it had gotten to 9 or 10? Would Izzo have come back with one or both of them? We'll never know. I tend to think he probably would have. Um, it, but he didn't yeah. have to. Yeah, He didn't have to because they managed to stay in touch, and that's the thing that matters most. They didn't let it get out of hand, so you say, okay, I, I said it at the half hour post on the Spartan Method board, that they survived it, barely, mm-hmm. but yeah. they survived it. And and I'm probably being too critical on Hogard because he did, he was part of that, and he did some nice things tonight. It's just, I get very, very nervous on offense, watch that, and also on defense because there it's feast or famine. He, he will make a great play physically, you know, where he just competes with somebody. Um, but, uh, but then he'll turn around and not recognize a shooter. Yeah. Is yeah. killing him in the, in the second half. There was a play where he just flat out didn't recognize Josh is pointing at him, yelling at him on the switch to get on Washington. He doesn't. Washington has an easy open, like 17 footer that he drained because Hogard didn't recognize it. There are those moments too, mm. but offensively is where I think it mattered because, they got just enough done. Yeah, yeah, just enough. Um, yeah. And, so and you look at Gabe Brown, uh, eleven points, four for six, uh, hit a three, one for two, got a couple at the yeah. line, two for two, uh, five rebounds, an offensive rebound. Um, yep. Uh, that's exactly you know, what you want out of him. Thirty-two minutes from Gabe Brown. I mean, that's. He's gone from a lot of games where he would be sitting in the, in the teens to now a 30 plus guy and he's hanging in there. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, the damage he did in the first half was obviously really important. I think he had nine at halftime. Yeah. Only two points in the second half. But, you know, the thing with Gabe is he's such a good shooter and he's gotten to that point now that I think defense is game plan. Graham's like, okay, this is a guy you don't let get an open look. He's a, I think he's in the mid forties yeah. from three. Yeah. So that is creating some, maybe some more space than they had. Let's remember when MSU first came back from the COVID layoff, they didn't have Gabe. Mm-hmm. Gabe missed. It was at least, it was, I think it was three games, at least two, including the first Ohio state game. They didn't have him. So, 
you know, it's, it's a, this stuff is all very fragile. When you don't have a great overwhelming team, then the way that the parts fit and fit together can be very, very fragile. And I think with this Michigan State team, what we found is that they need that shooting threat out there from him in part um, to give them an opportunity to do more via penetration. I mean, tonight, their, their points in the paint mostly wasn't well, much in post-up. I mean, they had the one fortuitous one from Julius Marble, not a lot of others, mm-hmm. but they got a lot done down there via penetration. And that's possible because the lane isn't as clogged as maybe it was earlier in the season because they seem to have found something in terms of being able to spread the floor just enough. I, I thought Ohio State, by the way, I might as well say this since it's on my mind. We talked a lot about how bad they've been defensively, and they have been. I thought they yeah. were pretty good tonight. Yeah, they were. I really did. Yeah, they in the first half. Well, I shouldn't say the first half. Early in the second half, when they got out to that nine point lead, I thought they did a really nice job in that stretch, in particular, of kind of clogging things up. Some of that is on MSU, not enough movement, spacing isn't good enough, whatever. But Aaron was having a really hard time. It was the first time really during this stretch that I felt like Aaron was a little bit out of sorts. Maybe for those first 10 minutes of the second half, I didn't think he was yeah. himself. And then, he, and then it, it started to change down the stretch. And he started to, he started to find enough room. He started to be able to make plays, um, himself or for others at times. And, um, it was a big key to the win, so no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Joey, eight points, three for five, one for three for three, uh, hit a free throw, only three rebounds, um, three, one, or no assists, two turnovers. Two turnovers, and they're both just unfathomable where he couldn't catch the ball, both of them. Mm. One was that possession where they had three seconds left on the shot clock, and then there was another one where, in fairness to him, Gabe didn't have enough space between he and Joey to really make the pass an easy one to catch. Mm-hmm. But still, Joey's got to catch it. So I, all that said, I'm going to say this was another plus performance for Joey Hauser because yeah. he stepped up when they needed him to make big plays. That three – was so huge. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, down four, and you're like, you're, you're one possession each way away from this thing getting to a point where Ohio State's got it in control. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't score. They come down and hit a three or even a two, and it's going to be very tough for you. And instead, Joey rises up, hits a three again off a great play by Aaron, and you're backing it down one. And from there, it was really Michigan State's ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I want to give him, and again, I mentioned he made a defensive play in that under four where Ohio state was kind of in semi transition and he walled up enough to force a miss. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's big and it's something he hasn't always done well this year. So you give him credit for that. Um, and look, he was part of that unit out there that won this game. That's not, and and that's not nothing, you know? He was part of that equation, just as he was in putting the game away against Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, so even though he's not maybe playing the role he was earlier in the season, it's still important, and they need it. And I keep saying this: 
tonight to me is proof. They don't get this win without Joey Hauser and Malik Hall making the contributions they made. Yeah. And Joey's good at, um, especially kind of down into crunch time or, or when teams are throwing pressure um, to be that yep. release valve guy. Absolutely. And and that's something that we haven't really seen it tested very much because Michigan State's been down yeah. so often late <laughs> in the season, right? Yeah. Until, or until most of the season, until recently. But lately, you're right. When they've been in situations where they've had the lead, teams are pressuring them, you're seeing Joey as that pressure valve, and it's a big advantage mm. to have a 6'9 guy that you can throw the ball to, and he's a reasonably good free throw shooter. Yeah. You have some faith in him, so and he can handle it a little bit, too. I know he's been struggling mightily with turnovers lately, but I'll still, in that situation, I'm okay mm-hmm. with him being the, the, the pressure relief and bringing the ball up. If he's, yeah. you know, if he's got open court, by all means, you know, you don't hold your breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bingham, eight points, four for five, um, five rebounds, a block, a steal. Um, you know, but he did get buried a, weird, a few times. <laughs> it was a weird game for him, I thought, because man, there, and this is maybe what Marcus Bingham is right now. You can hope that maybe next year he's even more than this. But right now it's this where you're going to look up at the end of the game and see real contributions. And they were there. Mm. You said eight, he played 16 minutes, eight points, five boards. That's a healthy number in 16 minutes. You'll take that. Um, had an assist, had a block, had a steal. So he was active, no turnovers. On the other hand, there were two or three occasions where he just got sandblasted. And his length was not enough to make up for it. Mm. Key took him to the woodshed once. Liddell did it a couple of times. And um, there was one late that I think led to Michigan State going with the lineup they did where Markey was not part of it. Where Liddell just kind of got the ball kind of toward uh, near the baseline and just kind of blasted Markey. Markey tried. He tried to provide resistance, but he's just – his lower body is still just not strong enough to withstand a kid like that with a head of steam. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and your hope there is that, okay, maybe his length is going to be enough to make up for it. And it can on occasion, but guys like Liddell are strong enough and savvy enough yeah. that they're probably more often than not going to be able to create enough space to get their shot off. I mean, EJ Liddell has played his, his whole, you know, near adult life as a six, seven, post player right he played high level basketball in aau he was illinois two-time mr basketball he's now in his second year at ohio state he he's oftentimes been going up probably more often than not been going up against guys who are bigger than he is so you gotta figure with the success that he's had in his career thus far he probably has an idea of how to create that space Mm -hmm. you know it's I, I'll, I'll contrast it with something um, I watched, and I'm sure some of our listeners, maybe a lot of them did as well. I watched the Michigan-Iowa game before MSU-Ohio State. Yeah. And Luca Garza really struggled, mm-hmm. really struggled. And it was obvious to me that Dickinson's size, not just his height, but also his just his bulk, he's every bit a physical match for Garza. He's a little bigger than Garza. Mm-hmm. It bothered Garza. Garza doesn't spend a lot of time. There aren't a lot of occasions 
where during the course of a season where he's going up against somebody who's bigger than he is, yeah. right? And I think you see it. Whereas Liddell is somebody who goes up against that. He faces that challenge pretty regularly. And so, um, I, you know, with Marcus, I, you got to call a spade a spade. It's, it's tough when your post player just can't provide resistance in big moments like that. On the other hand, it's also true that Marcus is finding ways every game to make real contributions. Mm-hmm. And you can't ignore that either. I mean, eight and five with a block and a steal. Hey, I'm going to take that every game. You tell me before every game, Michigan State gets that out of Marcus Bainham at 16 minutes. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. So you take the good with the bad with him. Yeah, uh, man, Liddell's going to be a thorn in the side for a while now. Well, <laughs> that's maybe, a, maybe. Because I <laughs> mean, know, I, well, he's not going to go to the I, NBA as is, a five. <laughs> I don't know. He, I don't know. He's had a really, really good year, and in the modern era, you just don't know. Mm. I mean, he's not an obvious guy to look at and say, well, he should turn pro. I don't know enough about the situation to know if that's likely, but he's had a good enough year, particularly the way he's improved as a shooter, Mm. that I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't at least go through the process. So maybe he won't be a long-term problem. But on the other hand, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast – um, even if he were to leave, Ohio State's got a guy ready to go in Zed Key who's going to be a thorn in our side. Yeah, yeah. You know, I he play, I thought he played really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, although it was all first half damage, I'm looking at his stats. He had eight points on four for four at halftime, and he didn't do anything in the second half. So they kind of they they didn't get much mm-hmm. um, out of him there. Uh, so Malik Hall. Uh, didn't get it, you know, got more minutes than he got in the last game, but only seven minutes, but three points, uh, three for four from the three point or free throw line, uh, had an assist, a couple turnovers, uh, but he well, did some things. Uh, he did late, late. Mm-hmm. He was in that group that closed this out. You know, um, basically what happened with Michigan State late in the game is they took Hogard out, who had been playing the point. And brought Hall in. So what it meant is Aaron Henry and Josh Langford are now your ball handlers. Gabe's still basically in the same role where he's a shooting threat and kind of forcing the defense to deal with him. And Hauser is your five man at that point, you know, and Hall and Hall is your four. Uh, but as you see, it really didn't matter because when push came to shove, MSU hit Aaron Henry guarding EJ Liddell. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the position designations when it got to that were kind of meaningless. But the point is, Malik Hall was part of it. And we just went through, you know, three for four at the line, but he hit the two big ones late. Big defensive rebound late. Made made some some nice defensive plays overall. Drew, drew a foul, as you said, um, late. Uh, and then cashed in on the free throws. Um, I think this was a positive step for Malik. Mm-hmm. He's still a long way from being the guy that he was earlier this season or even at times last year. And that I think he will be in the future, but I would hope this is a game that breeds some, some additional confidence for him mm-hmm. because it should, he was a important contributor to a big, big win when it mattered when everything was on the line. He stood tall. Yeah. Uh, only five minutes got two quick, uh, personal fouls. Um, and then didn't see three the floor, offensive, three offensive rebounds in, in five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I really think at this point, I haven't I haven't run the math to see the per minute, but I'm betting it's the case that per minute he's their best offensive rebounder. Mm-hmm. He's got to be. Um, yeah, it, you know, was uh, you would think on on paper this might be a game where Kithier could make a real impact or at least play more minutes because um, Ohio State is not that big. Yeah, but they didn't play him much, and and I think it's because you know. As we talked about, they got some things out of Markey. They got some things, not a lot, but some things out of Julius Marble. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, my my real complaint there: four points from Julius. He had the, I think it was the first bucket of the game they got in transition was his, if I remember right. And then he hit that kind of mid mid lane hook, mm-hmm. um, half hook, jump hook. Uh, but sixteen minutes played. Zero rebounds. You can't have that. But regardless, they got enough. Maddie barely played. They they actually don't even credit him with a full minute in the box score. He got those two fouls so quick. His came even quicker than than Kithier's did. Um, but yeah, just kind of a kind of a a nondescript game for Thomas. Except the three offensive rebounds all kept possessions alive. It's kind of what he does. So he's and he also had one. Good screen in particular that led to a bucket that I recall the um, broadcasters calling out as well. Mm. So he did the things he normally does. It's just he didn't play a lot, and I'm I'm not about to complain about it. I you know Michigan State got this win doing what they did, but um, yeah, it was okay given the opportunities he got. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's about it. I mean, it, I guess we should talk about Rocket one for ten for five points. Um, <sighs> The only thing I'll say is he had he had that burst early in the second half where he hit a couple free throws, then he missed a tough layup in transition, which was contested, but it was a it was a good attempt. He just didn't finish it. And then he came right back and he hit a three off a fantastic cross court pass from Josh Langford. Yeah. Josh Langford just snapped that thing. And I thought, okay, now here we go. And then it just didn't come. He made some defensive mistakes again. Hogard came in. Hogard really played the lion's share of the minutes the rest of the way. I mean, as it ended up, Rocket played 23, Hogard played 21. So they basically split it. Um, an unfortunate game for Rocket. The one thing, one thing I will say, he only had one turnover, so he didn't have a real problem there. He only, also only had one assist. But um, the biggest thing to me in this one was that I didn't think he showed up defensively. The one for 10 is disappointing, but a lot of those were, were good looks. Mm-hmm. You know, I want him being aggressive. Yeah. I want him trying to go to the rim. It just didn't work out. Okay. You can live with that. But defensively, I thought he had a really hard time uh, staying with Dwayne Washington. And, you know, Washington's become a very, very good offensive player. I can tell you this, Dwayne Washington, did not do that stuff getting to the rim when he was in high school. He was mostly, um, he orchestrated their offense some at Grand Rapids Christian, but he was mostly a jump shooter. And he's still a jump shooter, but now you see what a difference it makes on a night where he really wasn't dialed in. Mm-hmm. Three, Michigan State didn't let him get dialed in. He just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get my production other ways. And he did, right? Until that last possession where Josh Langford walled up and said, not tonight. Um, but Rock had a real problem guarding him, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I suspect 
that that combined with the fact that Izzo might have thought he was pressing offensively, that it was getting to him, that the shots weren't falling, um, probably. And the fact that Hogarth was playing relatively okay, um, that probably led to the decision. But look, I I still think they got this one done, Mm -hmm. and that's great. But this is not a recipe for getting the rest done of what they need to do. Mm-hmm. They need the rocket that they had the two previous games. It's going to be very tough to repeat this. I guess the only thing that sticks out about his game tonight is it seemed like he tried to get a little too deep too many times. Where it seems like he's been really efficient and effective at pulling up for those like yeah 12-footers. You know, he got blocked a couple times, so you got a point just with that alone, right? You got a shot block, which tells you he did take it too deep, probably by definition, mm-hmm. because if he pulls up, yeah, I, I think I think you might you might have something there, and I'm I'm not sure why, um, but one way or the other, they need a better rocket than they got tonight mm-hmm. if they're going to pull this off. All right, well, and, and, you know, anything else? I mean, on the individuals. I, yeah. um, Feels like we covered. We talked about Gabe. We talked about Marble. Yeah, I mean, just we didn't really spend too much time talking about his total game, but other than the fact that he made big plays late, but Aaron Henry once again, eighteen points, seven for eleven from the floor. So the earlier inefficiency shooting the ball we saw at times this year is gone. Mm-hmm. One for three on threes, you can live with that. Three for five at the line, you'd maybe like one more than he got. But four boards, four assists, three blocks, two steals, 33 minutes. And remember, he had to sit basically seven due to foul trouble. Yeah. He probably would have played 40 again if that hadn't happened. The only real blemish there is the four turnovers. And most of those came in that stretch in the, in the first 10 minutes of the second half where I thought Ohio State was doing a really good job of clogging up the lane. Aaron was still trying to maybe force it, mm-hmm. trying to make something happen. Um, you know, he had one where he, he used that spin move that he occasionally uses, and sometimes to good effect, but occasionally if a team's ready for it, yeah. as C.J. Walker was, it. right into a turnover. Um, so there's, you know, that was the segment where I thought he was out of it. But then thankfully that, that last 10 minutes, man, the closing kick, that was the Aaron Henry that we've seen really for the last, you know, month. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's getting to be amazing. I mean, he, yeah. he, you know, he's he's it's like he's arrived. You know what I mean? Like the, Absolutely. All, the player that we've always wanted to see yep. is finally and, here. And, you know, and, and I, I know I brought this up in the, in the aftermath of the Illinois game. Um, I think it was that. Uh it's reminding me, not in style, but in overall effect, it is reminding me very much of Travis Trice's senior year. Mm. And, and that was another situation. It wasn't quite as dire as this one was. But remember, that was a Michigan State team that really struggled in the non-conference. They lost to Texas Southern. They, were, they had a lot of people claiming in November and December, this isn't a tournament team. And then they did enough in the Big Ten where you weren't coming down the stretch super worried about whether they'd make it. But there was a lot of question about, well, this is probably, you know, one and done. Mm 
Mm-hmm. They get there and they go all the way to the final four. And and if you remember too, even before that, they got to the Big Ten tournament final and played their asses off against the best Wisconsin team in history and almost beat them. Mm-hmm. It came right down to the wire. Um, Travis Trice was a load down the stretch that season and right into March. And Aaron Henry, and before that, his career had been plagued with inconsistency. He had never quite broken through. And I think expectations have always been higher for Aaron for a lot of reasons, mostly due to his physical tools. But I think there's some, there's some similarity here in that he is finding this new level late in the year when his team needs it the most. And Michigan State is doing a great job of harnessing that mm. and allowing him to be the catalyst for what they're doing. I can't think of another example other than Travis. I don't know if you can. I just, I just can't think of anybody else who kind of, you know, was good but not a dominant player and then late in the year just kind of kicked into that gear and took over. I can't think of another example. Maybe there is one, but if there is, I'm missing it. Usually we can think of guys who have elevated their play in their last year, Draymond Green, Denzel Valentine. Um, you know, they're, they're, Adrian Payne is a senior, absolutely. Um, you know, there have been other guys who have done that but they typically were doing it for the whole year to have a guy just kind of be good and then get to great halfway through. That's not happened a lot. And Trice is the only one I can think of, but Aaron's definitely doing it because this is now game in game out. And look, this was a tough game for him because he had a couple guys guarding him in suing and Jallo who, frankly, I'm going to say this for this game. It's possible I don't want to take this too far, but it's possible that Kyle Young's injury was actually a positive because defensively, Suing and Jallo are much better suited to guarding him than Young is. I don't think Young can stay with him when he's going off the dribble. You know, he'll try hard, but that's not really Kyle Young's game. Suing and Jallo, I thought both did a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. We talk about that. That stretch, you know, Aaron was dominant early, then he sits, misses the rest of the first half, and then those first 10 minutes of the second half, he didn't really do very much. Mm-hmm. And that's when Ohio State was able to get it pushed out to nine because Aaron really wasn't able to be that catalyst. I give those guys credit. They are, they are built better to handle him. And yet, when push came to shove, it didn't matter because in the end, he was the guy standing. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they battled. I, I, I really give – you know, it's funny, the numbers – I'm going to tell the story because Michigan State shot 48% from the floor. But that, to me, felt like the best Ohio State defensive effort I've seen in a while. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were really together for a lot of that game. You know, the, the, I guess the one thing that sticks out to me about Henry, um, and maybe this is a, a coaching move, but they seem to be getting him out at the top a little bit more. And maybe oh, not all the way well, to was... the top, but 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 uh, to the point where he has a little bit more balance, where he can use those like little head fake juke things that he does, yeah. and, and kind of manipulate the guy to get leverage, yeah. and then boom, he's gone. Rather yep. than just making a decision and going, and then just getting stripped or something, um, he, he's in well, complete control at this point. It seems like when he's out particular, there, particular. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's somebody made a, a comment um, 
on the uh, on the big movie is a, a great poster and a former MSU football player, if I remember correctly, um, made the point. Uh, I think it was yesterday or earlier today that um, the game is coming. Really, it looks easy for Aaron right now. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. He looks in control. He, it's not. Again, there were segments where the f- frustration was there, but I I think what's changed now is. In the past, and as recently as maybe you know early January, that first ten minutes of the second half would have meant that the whole half was a lost cause for Aaron. He mm-hmm. wouldn't have rallied past that. The difference now is he found a way around it and through it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what wasn't happening with him. It was too often we used to always complain about it. He wouldn't remain aggressive. Well, you don't have to worry about that now. This this Aaron Henry is an aggressive player that is in control and is making it easy. I I also want to say, before we get into the keys, I want to offer a shout out to one of our listeners and a great poster in his own right on the Spark Mag board, Dr. Green and White, who does um, a lot of very interesting uh, statistical analysis um, and has for a while now on that board in terms of um, the odds that Michigan State might have in a given season to win the Big Ten championship, you know, relative to schedule that's left and schedules that other teams have. Mm-hmm. He's recently been doing some stuff on Michigan State's NCAA tournament odds. Um, he, <laughs> those of you who have been listening know that a, a little bit of a problem this year has been, and I'm going to attribute it, Somehow, some way to COVID, like everything else, right? <laughs> we can't, we have not been able to get the really good, complete set of stats that include things like team rebounds, that include points in the paint, fast break points, all of those numbers. In, in most years, you're able to get those within five or 10 minutes after the end of the game mm. online. And that's what you know, we, we want to talk about that stuff, obviously. And that's what we, cause oftentimes our keys relate to that. Yeah. This year, for whatever reason, it's been a real struggle. He graciously offered after the Illinois game, he has access to that data from Michigan state. And I believe, I think I've got this right, that he's a faculty member there. And there's some kind of in, I, I don't need to delve any further, but regardless tonight is the first time he did this he was able to share with so we have the stats that we want Mm -hmm. so thanks again dr green and white doing us a great favor and he's obviously a listener of the podcast that's how he knew that we were hurting on that front (laughs) this year and he's doing what he can to solve the problem now he did tell me it's not always the case with road games so sunday we might not have them for you Mm -hmm. but at least two more times the indiana game and the michigan game at home we're going to have stats when we want them. Because we obviously go in, I think most listeners know this by now, we we record this immediately after the game's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you sent me this, and I'm for a stat junkie nerd, uh, it's like my cup is overfloweth with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yep. All right, so uh, defend the three was our first key that we had. Well, a tale of two halves. Now, a couple things we always talk about. We talk about percentage, which has been really, really good for Michigan State, but it's also something you can't you can't always give a lot of credit to the defense for. It's considered a little bit of a luck stat. However, when a team does it consistently the way Michigan State has, it starts to get out of that realm for me. Mm-hmm. And, and then you combine that, what the numbers are saying, to my eyes – 
it's not just teams missing good shots. Michigan State's not giving up very many good looks. So I think that's real. So we look at that, but just as, if not more importantly, we look at attempts. Ohio State came into this game averaging about 23 three-point attempts per game. They had nine in the first half, and they hit four of them. Mm -hmm. That was not good. I was concerned about that. The attempts weren't crazy, but, you know, you thought, okay, they they got 18 in the first meeting, and they were on pace to get at least that many in in this one. And they hit four of them. And the ones they got, those were not by accident. Those were the shots they hit were pretty much all of them that I can think of were instances where Michigan State broke down. Mm. I talked about the yeah. one, uh, oh, that was actually a two-pointer, where Hogard, but there was another one where Hogard failed to recognize a shooter in the corner, didn't get to him. Um, there were other guys who were guilty on other threes, but uh, it wasn't all just A.J., but um, you know, Ohio State was doing well enough there. Ohio State ended the game four for 14, so they didn't make a three in the second half. 0 for 5. Yeah. I will say. Um, and those five were like the that last heave, you know, three of those right. were like heaves at the end right. of the game. They just didn't get, yeah, they didn't get looks. Those were forced, those were shots they needed to take because of this, the score dictated it. And yeah, they were not good looks. Um, I will say, uh, was it the, no, it must have been the first half. Was it the first half? That Washington had the banked three. Yeah, but they called count. it off. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that, that came in the first half. So the first half really should have been five for 10. Because <laughs> that's yeah. credited as a turnover, <laughs> not a shot attempt. So they should have been even better in the first half. Because that shot should have counted by, in my opinion. It's, it's tough and it's close. But if, if as they, as the broadcasters said, the clock that they had synced to the game action was accurate, I think it just beat it, and the officials didn't see it that way. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, but the second-half job that Michigan State did was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just didn't give Ohio, State's, Ohio State looks. You know, you could say, well, Ohio State was getting a lot done via Liddell and via Key. And, well, not Key in the second half, but Liddell, and they got a lot done via penetration in the second half. That's true, but their offense is designed to get three-point looks. It is. And, you know, 23, averaging 23 a game, that's a healthy number. And for them to not get even their average number of attempts up is a sign that they got guarded very, very well. I understand that Michigan State's post defense is more suspect. And so if you've got good post players, as Ohio State does, you're going to be more prone to look to that than maybe you would against an average opponent. But I'm telling you, over and over and over, we are seeing it. If Michigan's, uh, who's keep repeating it, if Michigan State limits the opposition from three, they can compete with anybody in this conference. Mm -hmm. Now we'll see. Michigan may test that, but right now we've seen everybody else that's supposed to be elite. It's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Hats off to Michigan State for the job they did. Yeah. Uh, turnovers. MSU 15, Ohio State 12. Yeah, I, I looked at that number, and it it felt worse. Or I, I'm sorry, it, it looks worse than it felt to me. I was a little surprised it was quite that high. That's a high number. The good news is Ohio State was pretty bad in their own right. 
12 yeah. turnovers is a lot for them. So the fact that there was only a three turnover gap is the bigger thing. You know, I think I had said, hey, if it's like an 11-8 gap, you could live with it. Well, 15-12 is a little higher than you want, but the fact that the the edge there was only three, that's a spot that's workable for Michigan State, provided they hang in there on the glass. Mm-hmm. And they did that. Uh, and boards. Um, well, let's see. Let's see. 20, well, they... MSU outboarded them, twenty six defensive rebounds to twenty, eight offensive to seven, for Ohio State. And yeah, and, and the and here's the the big stat: Op- offensive rebounding rate, Michigan State at thirty, Ohio State at twenty three. So a seven percent difference in the offensive rebounding rate. Um, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, bum, bum, bum. Second chance points were even at six. So not a big, not a big edge there. Um, but they, you know, it, it was, they did well enough. Mm-hmm. I think defensive rebounding is the bigger key in this game that they were able to, because that's where Michigan State struggles more. Um, and they were able to control it largely. They didn't let Ohio State get a lot of second chances. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they were, they, it's not like they were shooting bad. You know, forty-four percent from the floor for them, but uh, well, thirty-three percent in the second half. I mean, they yeah. they were blistering. They were fifty-six percent at halftime. So there's yeah. a big difference in the second half of that game. And and Michigan State, on the other hand, pretty balanced: forty-six percent in the first half, fifty percent in the second, which is pretty remarkable. And let's not lose sight of this: Michigan State had one day between the Illinois game and this game. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's last game was on Sunday, yet. In the second half, they're the team that comes up short offensively that isn't shooting as well, which is sometimes a, a sign that you're not you're not as energetic, physically, mentally, or both. And their two point percentage has not been great this year, um, so that's encouraging. Because um, for MSU, shot, yeah, 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 right, right, absolutely. MSU only four for fifteen from three, so. That means they were twenty for thirty-five from inside the arc. That's a that's a good number. It's a really good number. You'll take that. Uh, and then ball to the rim. Uh, you know, a success. It wasn't quite that over fifty percent that I've talked about, but I don't know if that's even a fair goal. It, it just so happens that they've done that a couple times. Mm-hmm. They didn't manage to turn that trick. Um, against Illinois, although I think the late free throws contributed to that. This one, though, 71 total points, 30 of them came in the paint. I'm going to count that as a success. Mm -hmm. Because if you look back at this season, the games where where we were just obsessed by it, how there was just no semblance of a game at the rim for Michigan State or, or in the lane, there were a lot of games. You can find Michigan State's point in the paint totals, 12, 18. Yeah. Some of it is that they're scoring more, too. You know, some of those losses, they just weren't putting up very many points. But it's it's that's kind of the what I'm getting at. If they do more in the paint, they're going to score more because they're going to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing that. They're not doing it the conventional ways we talked about. This was not a game, even Aaron Henry, this was not a game where he was operating much on post-ups. They just didn't go to it very much. 
but they got it done early. I thought they got some offense generated in transition, which was nice to see, and those count. But then late in the game, you know, Aaron Henry was going to work. Yep. Yep. And Ohio State had a problem. Uh, and then physicality. Check, check, check. check. I mean, it, it was not the foul fest that we saw against Illinois. It's a different deal. You know, they don't have a Coburn that's just a monster, monster guy. But that is a physical team. Mm. Do, do not think otherwise. Liddell and Key are both the epitome. I mean, those are two guys who you could drop into any Michigan State lineup of the last 25 years and they'd fit in mm-hmm. with the way that they play. Those guys are are strong. They're not huge, but they're strong, and they they use that strength and play through that strength. And then the rest of the team, these guys that they roll out there, like Suing and Jallo and even Towns had a cameo in there. Those are those are strong wing players, you know. Ohio State is a team this year that I think plays with um, real physicality. Mm. And so they're going to challenge you. And Michigan State rose to the challenge. I think you know, we've talked about these plays a few times. Late, especially. The two or three plays, Aaron Henry against Liddell on the post. Um, How one up on a play in transition, forcing a miss, and then Josh Langford, the defensive play of the game, walling up just well enough to yeah. force Washington to take an angle. You know, that, the release of that shot was not quite the angle he wanted, and that was because Josh played it so well defensively, and it forced a miss. That's physicality. That's Michigan State standing in there and doing the things physically they need to do to win games. Mm. And, you know, as we said it early on in this, right, they're they're carving out an identity. They've found something. And they've got to keep doing it because if they keep doing it, they've got a chance to bring this thing home. You know what was a huge play in this game, too, was Henry uh, had that turnover. We were trying to pass it out to Josh and just got picked off for what initially looked like a pick six. And... Oh, and Josh Langford came down and he blocked it off the yeah. backboard. They came down and get a bucket. I mean, that's a huge. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was huge. It was a four point swing. And you're right. Uh, that I'm glad you brought that up because we should know this was not a great. Josh did not have the game that he's been having offensively. He was only two for seven from the floor, and he was zero for two from three, uh, four for six at the line. So he had what eight points. But four rebounds, so maybe he's not Charlie Bell yet, but still four <laughs> boards, five assists, second best on the team, to just two turnovers and one big block. That was a big play. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right because there's a live ball turnover. Arns, Robbie Hummel's really good on these broadcasts. I think, I think that he's already, for me, I put him – in the category of a Jay Billis. I think he's probably the next generation's um, Jay Billis in terms of a color guy who's an ex-player of relatively recent vintage who just really, really understands how to broadcast a game, how to analyze it, not overwhelm it, but get it right. And he he mentioned that, you know, Arns is not a guy who shoots twos. We talked about it in the preview. 
Mm. What is that? 107 of 110 shots from the floor this year have come from three. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. Now, and there was a play earlier. There was a play earlier where, like, very, very close to that one in sequence where they got out in transition and Arns, any other guy on that roster would have looked to make a play for himself at the rim. Arns pulled back. You remember the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Because he just, he's not comfortable. All that said, Josh Langford busted his ass mm-hmm. to make that defensive play. And that was a big deal. You're absolutely right to call that one out. Uh, yeah, so I guess to wrap it up with, with physicality, I, I I guess it's even more impressive coming off a game that they were already insanely, the most physical game they've had all year. And then yep. two two days later, they're still able to keep that up. I mean, well, you know, it's not like it's the first time we've seen Michigan state pull this kind of thing off. It's just that we've never seen it um, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. We have seen it. If I go back to that Travis Trice team, the sweet 16, they play Virginia. That was a war. Yeah. Just a grinding physical war with the way Virginia played at both ends. And then they played Louisville, who was also maybe doesn't have the rep that way, but Rick Patino's Louisville teams were physical. They would wear you out. Maybe a little differently than some others, but they would wear you out. And and that Michigan State team won both of those games with only one day in between them. Yeah. So we've seen it from Michigan State teams before, just not in this circumstance. And certainly not um you know, with the streak on the line and now on the other hand, you say when you got a, we're playing for a Final Four, that's a lot too. So mm-hmm. they're they're not really that comparable in some ways, but it is very impressive. Maybe maybe the biggest thing is that that this Michigan State team has somehow, to me, found an equation here this late in a year where I will be completely honest, I didn't think there was any chance of it happening, and. And I think it was for valid reasons. We know, we've talked about this a lot. We know Tom Mizzo's MO, how he approaches the season. And the things that are part and parcel of that have not been available to this team. He is missed five weeks with this team, his presence with them, um, since October. So that's more than a month out of a pretty condensed period of time anyway. That's a huge deal. People don't appreciate how huge a deal that is because then because of part of that time off there, we've talked about this a lot there there. And we're talking about it right now. Actually, their schedule is so compressed that there's no time to work on Michigan state at all. There's just none. They, what do you think they did yesterday and this morning? It was all Ohio state. It had to be again. I didn't think this was possible with this team, you know, and, and it was, I was saying this all along. It, it, it wasn't my opinion to try to let Izzo off the hook or to say that the players are better than they've shown. Although I did believe that was true. I just felt like the opportunity to do the things that we are so used to seeing regularly happen with Michigan state teams just wasn't going to be there. And I'm the happiest guy on earth to be dead wrong about that. Apparently. Because no matter what they do, I don't care if they lose these last four. I don't think that's going to happen. But even if they do, the fact that they got off the mat 
to do what they've done these last three games, particularly the last two, mm-hmm. hey, that's that's something nobody, nobody outside that locker room thought was possible, including me. So I, this is impressive. It is. It's it's gonna it's gonna go down if they can if they can close this out. Big if. A lot of work yet to do, but if they can close this out and get a bid, this is going to go down as one of the all-time great jobs from Tom Izzo. I really believe that. And people will say, well, they were preseason top 15, and then they get to you. How can you say that when they had to fight like hell to even make the tournament? That's that's a a look completely devoid of context and circumstances. Given how things unfolded this year with this team and, and specific to MSU's program, which is different than other programs. Each program, each coach is a different thing. We know what works at Michigan State. We know what works for Tom Izzo. They didn't have the opportunity to have those things. Mm. They just didn't. And for them to be where they're at right now with every chance in the world to play their way into this thing, um, hey, that's – that's going to go down. I think if they, if this team on selection Sunday is in the field, I think every Michigan State fan is going to feel like this was an incredible accomplishment. I'm not mm-hmm. going to put it on the level of Big Ten championships and Final Fours. I'm not crazy, but <laughs> it will feel like a huge deal and rightly so. And yeah. I would feel so good for those kids. Yeah. Cause they're earning it right now. They're, they're giving everything they've got. Yeah, on really tough circumstances. All right, so we got Maryland coming up next Sunday, uh, two o'clock at Maryland. So not exactly a ton of time to prepare for that. No, one. we haven't seen Maryland. They, get, they yet. get two days. They get two days between games this time. It's a big deal. Maryland's eight and nine in the league, and they've won, I believe, four in a row. So they've had a run where they've done what Michigan state seems to be doing right now. Mm. They've already kind of had that run. They are considered to be very firmly in the field at the moment. Um, and you know, I like won in the net or something like that. What's that? They're like 31 in the net. Yeah. Yeah. They're in pretty good shape, you know? And, and the thing about this Maryland team, I really coming into the season did not think that was a, that was a tournament team. I really didn't. I, I thought they had a chance if some guys really, really stepped up. But the fact that they've managed to do this, and you know, we talk about Michigan State doing this, this work to put together a resume, right? Mm. Well, Maryland beat Wisconsin on the road, beat Illinois on the road, um, beat Purdue at home, and then in their current, well, their current four game streak is not as impressive. It's Minnesota, Nebraska, and, and, and Nebraska at home, and then Nebraska and Rutgers on the road. Um, but I, I think the fact that they've got that win on the road at Wisconsin, win on the road at Illinois, and then home against Purdue, those are pretty pretty nice wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and a road win at Rutgers is pretty nice too. So, this is a challenge. This is a team that's playing pretty good basketball right now. Yeah, and. You know, two weeks ago, I would have said this is one you gotta win. It still is one you've gotta win, but it's different. It's, you gotta win it in order to give yourself some, uh, keep the momentum going and, um, 
you know, maybe give yourself some breathing room heading into those final two games against Michigan that they're not must-haves. Mm. Um, I think that's what's important about this Maryland game and then the Indiana game at home is, to me, those are the two, if you're Michigan State, you really, really want to get. Because yeah. then you play those Michigan games, you're you're free. You know, you can go out, it's a rivalry game, you give it everything you've got, and, you know, I think at that point you can just live with what happens mm-hmm. in those games, Without right? The added pressure. Pressure of, all oh, we got to win to save it. I'll tell you this, if Michigan State gets a win over Michigan in either one of those games, book it. I think that's it, too. <laughs> They're in. Yeah. They're in. That would be three wins over top. 10 teams. Well, I don't know whether all three of those teams are going to end up in the top five, but they'll all be in the top 10 most likely. Illinois, Ohio State, and then Michigan. Uh, there's no way they'd miss with that. But I, I think getting back to Maryland, it's a team that's playing very well. So if you're Michigan State, um, you need to do what you did against Indiana and what you did against Illinois, who were also playing very well. And really Ohio State. Ohio State lost their previous game against Michigan, but they played well in it. Mm. And they had won seven in a row prior to that. So Michigan State needs to take that same mindset and say, well, we're the guys playing well now, and we end other teams' runs. You know, that's kind of the mentality. And theoretically, this Maryland game will count just as much as the Ohio State and Illinois game in terms of your quad wins. Absolutely. No, and, and, you know, Indiana's slipping a little bit. I'm not sure that there'll be a quad one game. But – yeah, all four of these remaining games, including Maryland and Indiana, mm-hmm. are positives. Right now, I think Indiana is generally accepted to still be in the field. I don't think they will be by the time Michigan State sees them. That's a team I would not be betting on, which is also positive for Michigan State in a sense. Not even yeah. so much that, well, it's another Big Ten team, but they're just they're another team that's in that general grouping where MSU wants to be. And if those teams, enough of those teams lose and Michigan State wins enough, well, you're jumping them. Mm-hmm. Minnesota lost tonight to Northwestern. That helps Michigan State's cause. Again, not just because of um, the fact that they're a Big Ten team, but they're another team that's in that kind of uh, uh, large, large group that's sort of playing for a tournament life, mm-hmm. you know? Because you're looking so, at 10 10- Possibly 11 teams fighting for it at this point out of 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but again, they're, they're all big right now. Even if Maryland and Indiana were not sitting where they were, they're big games because you just got to get them. And this Michigan State team cannot afford to just think that they're going to roll in and beat anybody. We've got to continue to see what we saw what we've seen really for the last three games, which is a team that is just going to fight people. Mm. All right. Well, we'll get the preview up for Maryland in the next couple days. And until then, the final four is not on the schedule. Race fans, Justin Bell here, former racing champion and host of the new F1 podcast, Drive to Win, presented by Win Las Vegas. Join me on the show each week as you'll be swept behind the scenes for an immersive look at the culture, technology, drama, and glamour of Formula One. 
There's something for everyone, whether you're new to the sport or a lifelong F1 fan. So join us each week as we cover every twist and turn of the F1 season on the Drive to Win podcast. That's Win, spelled W-Y-N-N, presented by Win Las Vegas. Available now on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.